We began by reading Matthew 20, verses 20 through to the end of verse 28, reminding ourselves that uh, prayer is us speaking to God, and uh, reading the Bible is listening to God speaking to us. We are also reminded ourselves that the disciples approached Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. So prayer is something that we need to learn. Oswald Chambers said some prayers are followed by silence because they're wrong, others because they're bigger than we understand. And it's true, isn't it, that sometimes we're troubled by unanswered prayer. There are times when God says wait and times when God says no. We ask for silver and God sometimes sends his denials wrapped in gold. One author wrote, I've lived to thank God that all my prayers have not been answered. So we have to keep praying, believing that his answers will always be wiser than our prayers. F.B. Meyer said the great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. We simply can't manage without prayer. Yet some folks make an attempt to do. In James chapter 4, we read that you don't have because you don't ask God. We then spent a little time thinking about the need to have a right relationship with God and right relationship with those around us, the horizontal and the vertical relationships. If our relationships with our peers are not right, then our relationship with God can't be right. We then moved on and we looked at a very interesting verse in Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 27. The priests and the Levites stood to bless the people and God heard them for their prayer reached heaven, his holy dwelling place. How interesting that the prayer reached heaven. And yet in Lamentations, we read in chapter 3 some other words that are quite disturbing. Even when I called out or cry out for help, He shuts out my prayer. You've covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can get through. And surely this morning, we really want our prayers to get through to God. We know that the Lord not only hears the prayers of his people, he actually delights in them. Proverbs 15, uh, the prayer of the upright pleases him. And every time God answers our prayers, he's lavishing his love on us. It's one of the ways in which God draws near to us. Psalm 145 says the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call upon him in truth. So that's a real um, motivator to to call upon God. Very important that we do that. A growing relationship with God involves faith that leads to confidence and love that leads to obedience. And we know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And according to Romans 10, verse 17, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So it's terribly important that we engage with God's word. We can't ignore it and expect God to answer our prayers. In John 15, verse 7, Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And the other side of that coin is found in Zechariah, chapter 7. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his Spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. When they called, when I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord Almighty. Well, just to summarize that, some of the... uh, difficulties um, 
uh, or obstacles to answered prayer are firstly unbelief, um, secondly disobedience, and thirdly neglect of God's word, because that leads to hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is a mask that we wear, but God doesn't look at the outside, he looks at the inside. Some years ago I was involved with a church where folks were falling out big time. So I wrote to them about um, the three wash me statements that we find in the scripture. Um, Psalm 51, cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. So we're asking uh, God to wash us. And then in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16 Uh, Isaiah says, wash and make yourselves clean. So we're asking God to make us clean. And then there's something that we've got to do. And then, of course, in John chapter 13, Jesus said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so you should also wash one another's feet. So there's something that God does, something that we do for ourselves, and then something we do for other folks. And when we're washing other folks' feet, we must resist the temptation to use boiling water. So personal conflicts are obstacles to answered prayer. Now we could profitably stop there, but we're not going to. Check out 1 John 1 verses 5 to 10. And there's a little phrase that appears three times. It's if we claim. And if you follow it through, you'll see that if we claim to be without sin, uh, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness we lie. So we, we lie to ourselves. If we claim to be without sin, then it says we deceive ourselves. And then if we claim uh, to be, to, we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. So there's the possibility of lying to others, lying to ourselves, and then the frightening possibility of lying to God. And we must be very careful never to do that. To lie to others is hypocrisy. To lie to ourselves is duplicity, um, but to attempt to lie to God borders on outright apostasy. And the longer we lie, the faster our character deteriorates and the more God has to deal with us to bring us back to integrity. If the second claim, lying to ourselves, that's the one I want to focus on just now, it's a very subtle device of the devil. He slowly leads us into thinking that our spiritual conditions are healthy when they're really quite sick. We begin to we begin by allowing the devil to deceive us about something in our lives that we consider very minor, and then gradually we allow Satan to teach us to deceive ourselves about things that are really very important. We think we're safe because we maintain our religious practices, our daily Bible reading, our prayer, and going to church and putting a quid in the offering plate. We think that's a measure of respectability while all the time our thought life is being polluted and our secret sins are multiplying, and we use our religious practices to um, to cover our sins. But the Lord isn't fooled by that. If we're lying to ourselves about our secret sins, then we're out of touch with both ourselves and the Lord, and our prayers are just <coughs> a waste of time. Now, I want to speak to you about the issue of presumption, because we sometimes presume that God is concerned with our comfort, when in reality... He's concerned with our comfort. I I came across um, a very dear friend of mine who was a senior officer in the British Army. When he was young, he met the girl who latterly became his wife. And he rather uh, 
he was drawn to her and liked her, so he thought he would impress her, and his chat-up line was to invite her to come to see his car. He had a Honda Civic, it was red, and it was a 1.5S. He thought it was the coolest thing since sliced bread. So he asked this lovely lady to go and see it, and she thought she was going to see a Porsche or something spectacular, and she really wasn't impressed. And the point is that because he didn't know her, he didn't know what was important to her, he didn't know what moved her, he didn't know what she would be interested in. So let me give you some examples of presumption. Israel, about two years after leaving uh, Egypt, they came to a place called Kadesh Barnea. They sent spies into the promised land and they returned the 12 spies and uh, 10 of them said, oh, the people who live there are big and we can't possibly beat them. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, the land is flowing with milk and honey. It's wonderful. Let's just go because God has promised to give it to us. But the people listened to the 10 rather than the two. And so the Lord uh, was displeased with him, and he announced that he would send them on a 38-year funeral march, except for Joshua and Caleb. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 45, you came back and wept before the Lord, but he paid no attention to your weeping and turned a deaf ear to you. You see, they thought, well, okay, we've done a, we've made a mistake, let's, we'll disobey God a second time, and we'll do what God asked us originally to do. So they went up to fight, and they were soundly beaten. Numbers 14, in their presumption, they went up towards the highest point of the hill country, though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant moved from the camp. You see, God doesn't answer the prayers of people who presumptuously defy him and do their own thing, and then expect him to straighten things out. The first two requirements for effective prayer are a faith that leads to confidence, and a love that leads to obedience, and Israel lacked both. Except for Moses, Caleb, and Joshua, the people of Israel had a stubborn will that led to defiance. And because of this, they forfeited the privilege of claiming their inheritance. Well, if you read the scriptures, you will have read a very interesting uh, passage that taught us about James and John and their mother, who we think was Salome. She was ambitious for her sons, but Jesus didn't answer her prayer. Interesting that James and John had a praying mother. How wonderful to have a praying mother. And yet James tells us in the little epistle, verse up to four, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may, be, may spend what you get on your pleasures. Well, she asked with a wrong motive. Uh, and that's not a very good idea. She followed the accepted rules for prayer, at least for successful prayer, but the Lord didn't give her what she asked for. Why? Because she forgot what the Lord's prayer teaches. Her sons belonged to the family of faith, and the request that she brought focused on her sons with no thought to the other disciples. Um, how interesting that in Matthew 20 verse 24, it says, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Why were they indignant? Well, maybe they were indignant because um, they hadn't thought about asking Jesus for that. However, Salome was sure that her sons deserved to sit either side of the Lord in his kingdom, which means she didn't have much of a regard for the other apostles. And that was very sad. Uh, we read in Proverbs chapter 16 that motives are weighed by the Lord. And isn't it true 
that our hearts are all deceitful and we can never really be sure of our motives. We read in Jeremiah, don't we, the house is deceitful above all things and who can know it. And that's why the closeness of our relationship with our Lord is so terribly important. The concept of motivation and prayer moves us from relationships to the responsibility stated in the Lord's Prayer. Did Salome's request glorify God's name? Probably not. Did her prayer help to hasten the coming of Christ's kingdom? No. Did it help to accomplish God's will on earth? Not according to Jesus. Had Salome and her sons run their request through the grid of the Lord's Prayer, they would never have brought it to the Master in the first place. Because prayer means much more than following rules. It also means respecting relationships and accepting responsibilities. Prayer involves giving and not just getting. It's a marvellous privilege that we get to speak to our God. There are... There are so many wonderful answers to prayer recorded in the Bible that a few unanswered prayers need not discourage us. If anything, they challenge us to examine our hearts so that our prayers will be acceptable to God. So, if God hasn't been answering one of your prayers, don't worry about it. Just ask the Holy Spirit to help you so that you can learn if there's something you're doing or not doing that isn't what he wants you to do. And as you're open to the Lord, wanting to to believe and to be obedient and not neglecting God's word and not having anything to do with hypocrisy, very sure the Lord will teach you that you will be all that he wants you to be. So may the Lord bless you and help you and encourage you as you've listened to this summary of what we looked at. Every blessing. Bye.